This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. It's my privilege to bring on one of the most talented talk show hosts and writers in the country, Mitch Album. Uh, his best-selling uh, books really make you think. This one, no different. It's called The Stranger in the Lifeboat. It's among the top uh, books, fiction books in the country right now. Came out just about a week ago. Mitch Album, welcome back. Brian, good to talk to you. Congratulations on your book. Oh, I appreciate Fantastic. it. Uh, you know, I, 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 have to, I can't think as grandiose as you do. First off, if I, I can't do the Mitch album biography, but I do remember with Tuesdays with Maury and, of course, saw the movie. If it wasn't for that book and that experience, would you be, be drawn to these type stories? I wouldn't be speaking to you right now, Brian, I'm sure. My life took a major, major turn at, at, with Tuesdays with Maury. I was a sports writer, sportscaster. That's all I ever really was interested in. And then I had this opportunity to sit alongside an old man, an uh, old professor of mine who was beloved and was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease and was able to teach me this last course in life, you know, what's important in life when you really know you're going to die, as he was. And I wrote that book to pay his medical bills. It was supposed to be a tiny book, and it became something much bigger, and it changed my entire trajectory. Did you make you dive into the Bible to try to find more meaning in that, or did you find more meaning in more practical things that you can touch and feel? It wasn't so much a Bible thing. Uh, it made me just to stop and examine what I was doing at age 37, which was going 1,000 miles an hour, just trying to achieve, 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 and ambition, 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 made me realize that none of those things seemed to matter to him when he was dying. They were of no comfort to him. Uh, you know, all that was, all that mattered were the people that he had touched and and the you know love that he had uh, received. And so, I began to realize I better start putting my efforts into more things like that. But yet, he was proud of you and what you accomplished, right? Yeah, I mean, he liked the fact that I. You know, I'd done something with my life, but, you know, not for the sake of just keep doing it. He was the one who said to me, you know, what do you do for your community? What do you do for others? And I said, well, I, you know, I write checks to charity. And he said, well, anybody can write a check. You've been given a voice, and you need to use that voice for something more than just aggrandizing yourself. And uh, that led to Tuesdays with Maury, the book, which I wrote, like I say, to pay his medical bills, and then the five people you meet in heaven, and then other books like that. And I've kind of been writing. I had that was the last time I wrote a sports book was just before I saw Maury. So I guess my focus has been on more about things that really matter in life and and you know how we can make life better. And even though this book, you know, it's it's a fiction book, but it but the, something really happened in your life that spurred this idea, and yeah. it came with your you you uh, starting an orphanage in Haiti over ten years ago, right? Yeah, I took over an orphanage uh, 12 years ago, uh, right after the earthquake, and I, I'm there every month in Haiti. Uh, I have 53 children that we raised there and, and who learn and uh, you know are taken care of and eventually go on to college. And, uh, yeah, the, the kids there have had a tremendous effect on me. 
And this new book, The, the Stranger in the Lifeboat, is really kind of a book, Brian, about like help when we ask for help. So the premise of it is kind of right out of a of a adventure movie. There's a there's a luxury yacht owned by one of the richest people in the world. He has all these rich friends and guests on it, and in the middle of the ocean, suddenly it explodes, blows up, and everybody's killed except ten people, five of whom are the guests, five of whom are the staff, and they find their way to a life raft. And they're out there for three days. Nobody's coming for them. They're running out of food and water. There's sharks. You know, they're crying out for help. And suddenly they see this body floating in the water, and they, they, they pull it in. It's this young guy, kind of nine-to-script, average-looking guy, and they pepper him with questions. He doesn't say anything. And finally, one of the passengers says, well, thank the Lord we found you. And he says, I am the Lord. And that begins this sort of saga of uh, – of this guy who doesn't look, act, or, you know, sound like God, but he claims that he is, and, and they keep saying, okay, yeah, sure, fine, you're, you're God, yeah, what are you doing here? And he says, well, haven't you been calling me? And they say, so you're going to save us? And he says, well, I can only save you if everyone in the boat believes I am who I say I am at the same time. And, uh, you know, it explores, as it goes on, this whole notion of when we ask for help, which we've all been doing over the last couple of years with the pandemic, do we accept it if it doesn't come right when we want it or right the way that we, you know, expect it to look or be? You know, sometimes we, we think our prayers aren't answered. And then 10 years later, we look back and we say, well, you know, if that hadn't happened, this hadn't happened and this wouldn't have happened. And it turned out that was kind of the best thing that happened. Well, if it's the best thing that happened 10 years from now, it's probably the best thing that's happening now. It's just, you know, we don't always accept that. And so this book kind of explores that idea. And and uh, so you look at, for example, people do that on a regular basis. You know, why can't I get this? I, this is what I want to get, right. and it's not there. So is your right. is your goal uh, delayed, or is it denied, or is it not in the best interest of your life? Maybe we're not equipped exactly. to figure that out. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, to, to, to finish the button on that story that you brought up, so we adopted one of our kids from Haiti because she developed a brain tumor, and— uh, we took her in and, and she ended up living with us for two years here in America as we traveled around the world trying to find a cure. And when she died, you know, uh, I was broken, you know, because we loved her so much. And I kind of said, well, there can't be anything in the world. You know, there can't be a God. There can't be any benevolence because how can you be benevolent, not be benevolent to a seven-year-old orphan from Haiti, you know, but as the years have passed, I've kind of, you know, looked at it a little bit differently with my wife's help and some other people and said, well, you know, we didn't lose a child. We were given a child. And and there's actually a moment in the book where one of the passengers confronts this God character with that very question, you know, well, why do you let people die? Why did my wife have to die? And he's crying. And, and the God character says to him, I, you know, people always say, why did God take the person from me? A better question might be, why, what did I do to deserve being given them? You know, what did I do to warrant their their, their sweetness, their joy, the, the memories that they gave with me? And he says, I know that people cry when their loved ones here on earth leave, but I can assure you those who leave are not crying. And for me that, you know, I wrote that as much for me as I did for the readers, you know, that that gave me some comfort in thinking about our little girl whose name was Chica or wherever she is. She's not crying now. You know, she's not suffering anymore. And you know, I know a lot of people that ask those kind of questions, you know, of the universe or God or whatever. So it was kind of a uh, kind of an unusual thing, Brian, to be able to put words into a God character's mouth. You know, you, you tend to look up at the sky and make sure a lightning bolt's not coming down and blow, blow up your computer, you know, because you don't want to be 
you know, and to be uh, haughty. But uh, we all kind of asked those questions of the universe, and I tried to put them in the mouths of the passengers who were in this life raft. And where do you think you got the answers? Like, obviously, that's a, a very deep answer, and it's a an answer that makes you feel satisfied and better. But where do you think that's based on? Uh, it's based on life experience at this point, Brian. You know, I'm not 20 years old anymore, you know, and, and, and uh, I've, I've lived through a lot. I've lost a lot of of people I love. I've spent time with really brilliant, I think, people like Maury and like other people I've written books with, and their wisdom has kind of found their way into me, and I'm trying now to sort of pass it on through through the lessons in my book. So it's from life observation. You know, one, one, of, the, one of the passengers asks this guy character, uh, do you answer everybody's prayer, you know, sarcastically? And he says, oh, yeah, I answer every prayer, but sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, you know, we think about that and say, yeah. well, yeah, okay, because sometimes what we want may not be in concert, as you very brightly said a couple minutes ago, may not be in concert with the rest of the universe or somebody else. You might want something that would mean somebody else would not get something. So sometimes the answer has to be no, or you have to wait. Uh, you know, my wife and I wanted to have children when we were first married. It didn't happen. We figured, all right, well, it's not that prayer is an answer. 20 years later, we have an orphanage with 53 children, you know, so maybe it was answered, you know, it just took 20 years. So, uh, you know, if you can't think of help in the universe as like ordering a deli sandwich where, you, you know, you place your order in five minutes, but if it's not there and it doesn't look exactly like you ordered it, then you're unhappy. You got to give the world time, you know, give God time uh, and, and trust that, you know, it's all going to work out in the end. So tell me about what's going on in Haiti. It just sounds hellacious right now with the murder yeah. of the president and the almost killing of the of the president's wife, the first lady there. And then with the the taking of American hostages. How uh, how upsetting must that be, especially for you, knowing you have 53 lives that you feel responsible for and you're going back regularly? Yeah, well, I go every month and it's very scary. And we have to have, you know, bodyguards and uh, our places secured with, uh, you know, security guards around. Our poor kids have not been outside of the orphanage in nearly two years. I mean, we can't wow. even take them on a bus ride to go to the beach or anything because the streets are too dangerous. Kidnapping is rampant. We can't get fuel for our generator. You know, only, you only Brian, get you only get electricity about 10 or 12 hours a day in Haiti. And the rest, you're on your own, you know, and if you don't have a generator, you're in pure darkness and can't turn on a light, can't battery anything up. And so you need fuel for the generator. Well, nobody can get fuel because the trucks can't pass through these areas that are gang run. And so literally nobody has fuel. We're paying $15, $20 a gallon for, for gasoline just to try to or diesel fuel just to try to turn on our lights. It's it's crazy. Wow, uh, that's incredible. So with the 53, are you just going to bring them through their life, their school years? Are you replenishing? Our, or is, it, is, this a, is this an orphanage that's going to continue to cycle kids? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it goes on. We have 53 currently, but, I mean, we've probably, since I've been there, probably had over 75. And wow. of them have gone on. We, we give every, every one of our kids has a chance to go to college. Uh, I provide scholarships with help of people here in the States. and. And uh, they get to go to college here in the United States, and then they come back and they, they work two years at the orphanage themselves, you know, giving back to where they came from, and then get set up and try to make their country a better place. We're not – our goal isn't to bring the kids to America. There are enough people in America uh, trying to make things better. They, they need to try to make Haiti better, and they know that, and they're proud of that. 
So, yeah, we have 53 at any given time from age one up till about eight and 19. Um, and they're the most joyous, Brian, most joyous, thankful, faithful kids. And a lot of them were around me when I wrote Stranger in the Lifeboat. You know, they sat around, you know, if you have a computer down there, because we don't have computers or, or Internet or, or TVs or anything like that. And I have my little laptop and they're sitting around going, what, what are you doing, Mr. Mitch? I said, I'm writing my book. What's the book called, Mr. Mitch? A Stranger in the Lifeboat. Well, who is the stranger in the lifeboat, Mr. Mitch? Okay. Here, why, why don't you why don't you guys just read it? And I printed it out and I gave it to them because they're really good readers, and uh, they gave me some good suggestions. Actually, they they maybe made a few edits. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, if people want to help you out in that mission, where could they go? HaveFaithHaiti.org. Very simple. Everything's there. All of our kids. You can meet all our kids there. You can see what we do. One hundred percent of the money that's given to us goes right to the kids. There are no administrative costs. I pay everything out of my own pocket for all those type of things. So if somebody wants to help, they can know if they give us a dollar, that dollar is going to the kids. HaveFaithHaiti.org. Pick up The Stranger in the Lifeboat. Everybody else is. It's uh, rocketing up the charts. Mitch Albin, thanks so much. Always appreciate having you on. Great to talk to you, Brian, and much success with the president and the freedom fighters. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mitch Alton. Thanks. When we come back, your turn, one 408 7669 We're also following the news of um, – uh, we're also following a, a myriad of news on, on all different fronts, including the vice president coming back. The president is uh, kind, of, kind of a down day today, but Jen Psaki is back. How will that first press briefing be? How will she describe – her uh, stay in her stint with uh, the COVID virus. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.